Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You are listening to episode number 115 of the Awesomers Podcast series. And the tradition has now been well established. Just jump on over to awesomers.com slash 115 to find today's show notes and relevant details. Now, today is also part one of a three-part episode a mini-series, if you will, with Michael Krakaris. Now, Michael is the co-founder of a service called Deliver, which provides fast, affordable fulfillment for leading merchants on eBay, Walmart, and Shopify. He realized a much-needed opportunity to streamline logistics and fulfillment for sellers and has created an entirely new way for retailers to efficiently reach their customers. In his current role, Michael oversees the product and growth teams and is focusing the business on scale. Prior to Deliver, Michael oversaw product marketing at Symphony Commerce, where he was responsible for launching fulfillment as a service. And by the way, Symphony is a very, very large company, and you'll hear about in the interviews as we go, um, the types of companies they work for, but big ones, let's just say that. Before Symphony, Michael worked at Twilio, where he supported product marketing and sales engineering teams. And it was during his time at Twilio, Michael first recognized the value of asset light infrastructure as a service model, which played a key role in founding Deliver. Michael has a BA in economics from Northwestern University, and he's also responsible for overseeing the school's yearly business competition. Under Michael's leadership, the group broke records by raising over 250000 um, for that particular school competition. He's today based in San Francisco. Let's jump in and find out more about Michael right now. Hey everybody, Steve Simonson back again with Awesomers.com. And today I'm joined by my very special guest, Michael Krakaris. Yeah, say right. Close? All right. Yeah, that's perfect. Woo. All right. Uh, I have to say today I'm running a pretty good record, uh, but uh, that will not distract from my shame of having a terrible record overall. The Awesomers out there know that I'm definitely less than 50%, and it could have gone either way, Michael. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let me ask you this, Michael. Uh, I've already read in your bio, so the, the, the folks have a little bit of the big picture about you and so forth, uh, but sure. maybe you could just tell us where you live today and what takes up your time day-to-day -day right now. Yeah, so I live in sunny and foggy San Francisco. Um, and today, I would say my time is mostly taken up by Deliver. So I'm one of the co-founders here at Deliver. And um, yeah, we've been doing this for over a year now. And it's been pretty hectic, especially the last month. We've been 
pretty busy as you may have read about. And uh, yeah, so that's been, and getting ready for holidays as we gear up. So yeah. Well, yeah, this is definitely, uh, so as we're recording this, we're right at the beginning of Q4. By the time this episode drops, it'll be sometime early to mid-November and it's right in the heart of Q4. And I suppose everybody there will be under red alert conditions. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yep. And then uh, get ready for the holiday storms. Already getting some hurricanes right now, but you know, once again, to late November, things are going to get interesting. Yeah. So anytime you have a business that is uh, kind of last mile logistics, right? So one of the missions, as I understand it from delivers that you guys, not only do you store the product, but you offer to ship the product on behalf of e-commerce players out there. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's essentially like an FBA alternative for people selling on Walmart, eBay, really anywhere. And so that's pick, pack, ship, um, and, you know, the warehousing component, as you talked about. So, yeah, I mean, when a storm comes up or something like that, we have to work on rerouting orders, um, you know, making sure that we're meeting on-time delivery um, percentage of like over 90% that, you know, all the marketplaces maintain with all their different sellers. And so, yeah, so we're, we're responsible for the entire value chain from, you know, the moment a seller sends inventory to the moment it shows up on a customer's doorstep. So that's a very important line of uh, custody and responsibility. And just to, to kind of reinforce your point, Michael, one of the things that you talked about is that, you know, the marketplaces are the ones who enforce this on-time metric, right? So um, yeah. if eBay says, uh, or Walmart says, you better have your stuff here, you know, more than 90% of the time on time, the seller goes, hey, I, I turned it off to the, the three-party guys over there. You know, I don't know nothing about nothing. And sure enough, if they miss those numbers, they still get held responsible. Is that right? They do. Yeah. So there's two ways that we mitigate that from happening and of why we have 95% on-time delivery. Number one is inbounds. Number two is outbounds. And FBA works on a very similar type model. So on the inbound side, when you say, okay, I want to send like, you know, surfboards and I want to send jackets. We're going to create a demand graph from a SKU looking at past orders for those items, looking at the zip codes, just the zip codes. And we're going to create a demand graph. And we're going to say, okay, the surfboards are actually being sold in Southern California and Florida. The jackets are being sold in the Northeast and let's say in the Pacific Northwest. So we're going to analyze, it's around 100 million data points when you're going to go and start sending inventory. And we're going to say, okay, uh, jackets send to these warehouses, um, surfboards send to these warehouses. and so. Right off the bat, we're storing inventory very close to where people are buying it. And so when you shrink the amount of distance that a carrier has to travel, you mitigate, number one, the potential for speed going beyond what they say are their SLAs. And two is you mitigate the possibility of them damaging something or losing something. Um, second thing we do is on the outbound side, when an order comes in, um, we're going to look at around 25 million data points for that. And we're going to say, okay, based on the zip code of where it needs to go and where it's sitting, we should use here are the 10 different shipping methods we can use. And of those, which one within 99% confidence interval will get there within the promised delivery date. And so these are two really big systems that we have. And in terms of like our engineering team, huge pieces on the inbound and a huge piece on the outbound. And these are things that like if a seller is shipping yourself, can be really, really hard to perfect. Like I've talked to a few like top 50 sellers and run through how like they try to run this with seller fulfilled prime and things like that. And it can be really, really tough. And that's why we kind of take that burden off the sellers and just do this for them. Um, particularly where, you know, FBA is not a player like Walmart or eBay. 
Sure, sure. Well, it, it stands to reason that uh, with an engineering team and, and 100 million plus data points, as you talked about for inbounds and outbounds, that you probably are more capable of doing it than me in my basement with my six cats. Uh, so <laughs> there's, there's a pretty high chance that you're, you're bringing a little more sophistication to it. And this is one of the things that I think that entrepreneurs often forget about it's not just a simple premise of having a physical location and having somebody take, you know, physical object and putting it in an envelope or box and putting a label on it and sending it out the door. It's not that simple. And uh, would you tend to agree with that uh, assessment, uh, Michael? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, look at the USPS delivery times on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, we collect hundreds of millions of tracking codes um, every, I would say every week. And so with each one, we know where every carrier, their delivery times are different on different days. Um, and that can really, really impact sales. And so, for example, if you're trying to go to USPS and get something delivered on a Tuesday, there's a really good chance you're going to miss your SLA. Um, now, the typical seller wouldn't know these things, but because we have you know, so many engineers who are dedicated to this, um, we're able to make these real-time decisions very fast. Um, to make sure that we have these really high on-time delivery percentages. No, it's really important. And uh, just for those uh, keeping score out uh, at home, SLA typically means service level agreement. Uh, am I getting that yeah. right, Michael, is in this yes. context as well? So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have more hot SLA talk and uh, logistics banter. Uh, we're going to do it right after this break. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back again, everybody. Steve Simonson joined today again by Michael Krakaris. And uh, I put a little more English uh, spin on that at that time. <laughs> Hopefully it still works. Um, Michael, uh, before we kind of dive into a little bit more about your logistics business and how you got started and so forth, uh, yeah. where did you come from originally? Where were you born? Born in Berkeley, California. Um, and so then I went uh, to college in Chicago at Northwestern. Okay. And nice. graduated a few uh, around a year early and then went back to San Francisco. Um, and then, yeah, I went and started working at a e-commerce. Uh, well, my first gig was actually when I was still at Northwestern, I worked at Twilio as an, a business development intern. Uh, but I got to learn a lot about Twilio at the time. And, um, I was really interested for them, you know, what, how they were applying software to a really kind of uh, a space that really needed software, the telecom space. And, um, got really inspired that, about that. And then, went into an e-commerce company called Symphony Commerce, learned about the logistics space, the warehousing space. And I was like, you know what, it'd be really interesting if you brought the Twilio model to that, where you could apply software to the warehousing and the shipping space um, versus, you know, having to replace all the warehouses and replace all the carriers. Um, and so, yeah, then I went and co-founded Deliver, um, you know, a few years later and yeah, here I am. So what was the defining moment between kind of the Twilio and Symphony experience into you deciding to step out on your own? It, you know, it's clear that yeah. you saw an application, but how did that transition happen? Man, so I was, so when I was at uh, Symphony, I you know, was working a little bit on the fulfillment side and Symphony Commerce was focused on really large brands like Pepsi and um, Fiji Water and they did the fulfillment for that. And so I was looking at the warehousing side, the shipping side. And then at the time, 
it was kind of unrelated news, but FBA uh, got rid of the brown box option. And so then it kind of made news a lot of places and, um, you know, a few marketplaces inquired like, oh, is, you know, Symphony, is this something that Symphony does? And, you know, at the time, you know, Symphony was more focused towards like Pepsi's of the world. Um, but then I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And so I actually started calling up, I called up maybe 200 different sellers and I asked them, okay, how do you, how do you fulfill today? How do you use on, uh, how do you fill on Amazon? Do you sell elsewhere? And actually the first seller I talked to was Etails. And I had no idea who they were. I like, I was, <laughs> that was just a random call. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was just a call that like, you know, cause I think we were working with um, one of our brands, like Peter Millar, I think was with channel advisor and channel advisor was like, here's this other channel advisor brand that, you know, is trying to figure out fulfillment and they're having troubles with this thing called FBA. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I'll talk to them. And uh, yeah, and so I'm like, hey, what do you guys do? We work with Pepsi and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we're like the second largest seller on Amazon. I'm like, oh, really? Um, that's surprising. And so they told me all about it, how they, you know, they do like millions and millions of shipments a year on FBA. And the amount of scale is just incredible. I mean, if you compare their e-commerce fulfillment volume to Pepsi's e-commerce fulfillment volume, it's actually uh, much, much larger, you know? Um, and so learned a lot about the space and I talked to more and more and um, soon was talking to like, you know, all of channel advisors, seller base, trying to figure out, okay, how do you fulfill today? And I noticed that there was a huge need in SMB space with these sellers and, and they weren't quite SMBs. You know, I wouldn't treat e-tails as a small and medium business. I mean, this is a 150 person company and they push, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue on Amazon a year. And it's not just them. There's like a hundred of them. And then there's 20,000 Amazon millionaires. And so even though they're three, four person companies, they don't really, in terms of the revenues and the amount of volume they're driving on Amazon and elsewhere, it's really not SMB type volumes. I mean, these are, and it was really incredible. I got to learn about this new Amazon seller that was kind of born and learned about the, I mean, if you look at details as volume and you look at the volume outside of Amazon, it's night and day. And why is that the case? You know, why can't people push volume on Walmart and eBay? What's the problem? And so then I, you know, learned a lot about, okay, here's how you sell on Amazon. Here's all the things that Amazon brings to the table when you sell it. It's fulfillment, marketing, and a ton of buyers. And how can we replicate that on Walmart, on eBay, and bring those infrastructure components to make it so that no longer 95% of your sales are just coming on Amazon? Because in the end, that's just not a very sustainable business model and runs into a lot of risk, um, you know, because a lot of things can happen. So that was kind of really what inspired me. And that's why I knew fulfillment was the biggest piece. There are obviously other pieces as well that come to successfully selling on a marketplace. Um, and kind of combine that industry knowledge with the knowledge from Twilio on the software component. So I was like, okay, I'm really interested in this fulfillment piece for marketplace sellers, but I don't want to build the warehouses. I don't want to, you know, create, buy all these trucks and start delivering stuff. I want to use the existing infrastructure because I knew that a lot of, there's so many other e-commerce warehouses out there today that are actually really strong. They just, their pricing doesn't make any sense. They have super long-term contracts and it's super hard to test out. And, and so for sellers, none of them could use those types of warehouses. So we basically created this transit translation layer to interface with all these different warehouses. Similar to like what Twilio did with the telecom companies. Yeah. So not everybody's familiar with the, the Twilio story, but um, as I understand it, what you guys have done, and as you've described it here, is by taking some of the software, 
to the existing infrastructure, you've been able to avoid some of that capital investment that would have been involved with you trying to lay out your own infrastructure. Is that uh, part of the strategy there? That's true. I think the other thing is, you know, engineering for growth and everything comes with scale. And this whole business about scale and Amazon's business was, was scale. Now, when Amazon grew in the early 2000s, they were lucky in that they had access to a lot of cheap capital. Um, the same is not true, I would say, now in 2018. And so if you look at it today, you know, for us, if you go and invest in warehouses, I mean, you're looking at a ton of sunk capital in these, in these uh, different locations. And really, when we looked at the existing infrastructure, it's not that bad. It's, it's actually quite strong. Um, and, you know, they all have very standard procedures. They're quite large. Like most of the warehouses we work, at, work with are over 75,000 square feet. They all have APIs. Um, and there's really no need to replace them and try to fight that battle. And it also enables us to scale very quickly. So we at, we're adding a new warehouse, I'd probably say every four weeks or so, a new one's coming on. So yeah. we have a new one, a really big location going on tomorrow. And then we have another three going on, I would say in three weeks. And so for us also, like, for example, we filled up our Northeast warehouse in Pennsylvania, probably in like a month of starting wow. and of really scaling. And then, then we are like, okay, well, we're out of space. And what would happen in the typical Amazon model? Okay, now we got to hire 100 people to go create a new warehouse in Pennsylvania. Instead, we're like, okay, let's go find all the different warehousing companies in Pennsylvania. Let's find some that are pretty strong. It turns out there's a lot of different really strong, really great companies there. Um, and so we partnered with, you know, three or four more ones. And so now we're going to be opening up, you know, a lot more locations in Pennsylvania and we can still make it for holidays. Uh, if you think about it from a marketplace standpoint, you know we're working with Walmart on their two-day initiative and then with eBay on their guaranteed delivery initiative. For them, their goal is to get as many products on these fast tags as possible um, so that they you know, can compete with something like an Amazon Prime. And so when our network can expand very quickly, it enables the marketplace to expand selection very fast. Well, and this is, this is really an important point to drive home. You know, fundamentally, it's the customer driving all of this behavior, right? The, the customer now is, they think of two-day delivery as standard, not a premium, right? Two-day delivery is what it should be. And if you offer me same day for free, I'll take it. But otherwise, two days, the minimum I will accept as if somehow they're living in the, the Middle Ages <laughs> having two-day delivery, right? So, so that means without two-day delivery on Walmart, or eBay, or any of the other uh, emerging marketplaces or uh, competitors to Amazon, they just simply cannot compete. So your ability to bring that model seems like the, the pivot point potentially for some of these other marketplaces. There's an incredible article, I actually just went this morning by um, Joe at Marketplace Pulse, and he actually measured the number of items that are prime enabled on Amazon, and the number of items that are free two-day enabled on Walmart, and right now, it's 100 million items on Amazon are prime enabled versus Walmart is 2 million items. So about and, the same is your point. <laughs> no, just joking. I think when, but when you look at the Amazon model, I, I think, you know, today though, they're in a bit of a, well, they're in a good situation today, but I think in a year it can be a little bit tricky because, you know, they're increasing the prime subscription fee and that's 120 bucks uh, to have a prime subscription. And, you know, when you still look at what's the main driver, you know, why are people prime subscribers? The number one thing is free two-day shipping. 
And if Walmart were to get, you know, maybe that 2 million to 10, 15, 20 million free two day enabled items, well, I think some of the prime user base might start moving away. Um, unless Amazon can pack as much value into that prime subscription as possible. I think that was a big reason why they did the Whole Foods acquisition. I think that's why they did, uh, why they're doing so much investment in video. A package came the other day to my, our apartment in San Francisco and it was literally a billboard for Jack Ryan. The whole thing, it was like, look at this on, on Amazon video. So they're trying to cross sell as much as they can because they can't get rid of that $120 prime subscription fee. I mean, that's such a huge revenue driver for them. Um, so that'll always be there. But these other marketplaces are kind of in a race like Walmart, eBay, Target now. Can they enable as much selection on free two-day shipping before Amazon can pack as much value into a prime subscription? Boy, I think that's quite right. Uh, we're going to take another break. Uh, as we break this interview into a, a few parts, I want to just reiterate that, you know, the the point of, you know, the service that Michael's company uh, Deliver provides is to put you in a competitive position to, to get on other marketplaces. And we're going to talk more about that as we go forward here. So we'll be right back after this. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item by item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. Okay, everybody, that's part one. I'm going to jump in right here and just kind of interrupt the flow. And we're going to get back to part two tomorrow. So don't forget to tune in then. Uh, and you're going to learn lots more fun and interesting details about Michael, his, his background himself, and, and the business that they've created as well. It is something special and unique and certainly deserves a very close look for e-commerce guys out there, uh, particularly if you're doing business in the United States right now. Now, this is, uh, again, episode two in a three-part series, and it is uh, part of the general awesomers.com podcast series. I'm losing my brain here. Uh, episode number 115, we, we just simply have too many episodes for my brain to keep track of. So all you need to do is go to awesomers.com slash 115, and you can find today's show notes and details. And don't forget to tune in tomorrow when we get in to part two of this three-part series. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com.